Hello and welcome back to a slightly later than usual airpod. This week, I decided to take a couple of days rest for the Easter weekend. Not, not that I'm already spending enough time at home as it is. Um, joined by a fellow homebody, Maggie Woolley, over in London. <laughs> Good <laughs> hey, to have Ahmed. you back. Well, it's only a few days late. You just spend that much more time prepping for it. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really <laughs> amp up the expectations here. You spent those extra days making this podcast amazing. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. If you guys didn't know, yeah, it was yeah. a holiday weekend here in the UK. So so we, of course, had Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. And today is what we call a bank holiday. So um, not that it really makes much of a difference to anyone. I feel like everyone is just at home. Is it really a bank yeah. holiday today? I didn't even know that. I live here now. Huh. <laughs> See, I learned so much working with you, Omid. <laughs> how, are you finding, how are you finding things? We're in what? We're entering week four soon. It's... Uh, yeah, I think that's week five for me, actually. I, 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 I don't know anymore. <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the interesting things is that every day is sort of blending together. But I'm trying to find the positivity in that. You know, it's like, oh, interesting. Like, maybe we can, in the future, live every day a little bit more with that sense of weekend, you know, connecting with family and friends, even on the weekdays and, uh, you know, cooking for yourself, even on the weekdays, those types of things. Maybe, maybe I'll try to take that with me back into you know regular life well i noticed you've been cooking up a storm today's theme was broccoli i saw you on instagram live with ginger z (laughs) (laughs) all the broccoli you could ever want thank you for tuning in (laughs) tonight's gonna be a big broccoli night in case you missed it and you want a little heads up it was broccoli three ways and uh even if you're not a broccoli lover like my husband who hates broccoli he's gonna get broccoli three times over tonight even he eats these broccoli recipes so you know we're all branching out of our comfort zones here during lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> have you been cooking I up a have, lot of You know, I'm definitely struggling without uh, the usual delivery apps and the things that I tend to lean on heavily throughout the working week. But I would say yeah. generally it's it's been a healthier few weeks for me, which, which is very good. And I'm out in the beautiful countryside as well. So I get to walk my dog. The weather has mm. been great. I really can't complain. And of course, most importantly, we're all safe and healthy. Exactly. Feeling very grateful for that. And, you know, you mentioned your dog. I would love this chance for a Yoshi check-in. He's doing good. He's definitely going to struggle with some uh, separation anxiety by the end of this. (laughs) Um, But I think that this is the one time of the year that I think, well, this is one time of our lives that dogs must be wondering what is going on because they've never had it this good. Yeah, I think I saw one meme out there where it was like a dog laying on the floor exhausted from all his walks asking what coronavirus was because, you know, no one's ever walked their dog more than during this outbreak. (laughs) Well, one couple that I'm sure has been making the most of the outdoors are William and Kate, who are in lockdown Mm -hmm. over at Anma Hall in Norfolk. It's their countryside home. It's where they are with with their own children at the moment. Of course, uh, Charlotte and George have been home from school since the UK schools closed their doors uh, more than two weeks ago, almost three weeks ago. Uh, But William and Kate have been continuing the work behind the scenes. And it was great to see them highlight the fact that the teachers and school staff in this country, many are still continuing to provide much needed care for children, uh, and especially during this pandemic. And they actually took part in a video call with a school in Lancashire, 
which is northwest in the UK, to thank staff for their dedication in providing a safe place for children whose parents are carrying out vital roles. Because, of course, with so many still out there on the front lines and so many considered key workers and emergency workers in the UK, there are a lot of children that still need that place to go during the day. For a lot of children in the UK, it's also the one place that they go for their meal of the day. And schools across the country are still providing that. Such a good point you make. Schools often offer more than just education. It's, you know, it's a chance to be social, it's activity, it's physical activity, and also it's where they get their meals. And I thought that was such a good point that um, William and Kate highlighted by this call. And I also thought the way they did the call, you know, it was over um, some video streaming platform. I forget which one they used. Oh, they use Zoom, Zoom for this one. Was it Zoom? Okay. The one everyone is using right now. You know, they Zoomed with kids. And we've talked about this before, Oma, but another example of the Royals using, you know, what's at their disposal right now, kind of like what everyone else is doing, working from home. I mean, we've been on so many Zoom calls now for work. Uh, so to see them doing that as well to fulfill their royal duties is always just so fascinating and makes them very relatable. And I also thought they, they just came across as so relatable and likable during this call. I think it may have been even one of their Instagram posts but they posted a photo of just kind of the two of them huddled around the computer and it was a screen grab so you saw what the kids were seeing the two of them facing the computer and you know they were just full big smiles their smiles filled up the whole screen and it made them they were so likable in it they were so friendly so outgoing so engaging and you know I think it was a side of them that we don't always see because it's very you know a lot of times with royal visits they're all formulated and they're meeting you know um, executives and people in power Mm, and it's mm. a little more of a show so to see them uh, doing a zoom call with kids and to see a picture of that kind of that firsthand interaction uh, it was really down to earth and, and, and made them you know from kind of a new light that we don't normally get to See. Yeah, I gotta say, I could actually really get used to this style of royal engagement, <laughs> not just because I can cover it from the comfort of my own home, but also <laughs> I think, you know, I think royal watchers often rely on the royal correspondents that go and cover these engagements to share some of the magic moments that take place, particularly when it's engagements with children. This with them speaking with the staff and children at Casterton Primary Academy. This was a chance really to see William and Kate and how they are with other children. And there were some really sweet moments they joked about easter candy and i think it just was a chance to see william and kate at work in perhaps probably the most sort of up close and personal way we we ever have you know usually the footage that's shared by tv cameras or photographers it's kind of from arm's length and this is sort of uh first-hand accounts of just what it is like to be on an engagement with William and Kate and I'm sure we'll see a lot more of that over the days ahead it was really sweet and I gotta say we spoke about Zoom earlier their screen name actually showed up in some of the screenshots it's DOC Duke and Duchess of Cambridge oh (laughs) (laughs) but but I love that you had to ask I did. I was like, wait, 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 what is it? What does it stand for? Oh, man, I outed myself. Uh, That's so funny that it came out. (sighs) I'm sure there's a lot of little things that are kind of sneaking out right now when people are trying all these new ways to uh, communicate and interact and do their job. You kind of get an inside look into their more personal lives a little bit, something we don't always get to see. Mm, And this continues from the other engagements they've had that have also been over the phone or over Zoom calls. It was just a week ago in our last episode that we spoke about them telephoning to hospitals hospitals in the UK to thank staff on the front lines of the outbreak and this week we actually had news for William as well he's now patron of the National Emergencies Mm. Trust which uh, works
works with a lot of charities across the UK providing grants and aid uh, in times of need just like this. It was actually set up um, in the midst of uh, the Grenfell Tower fire tragedy and I think everyone that was involved always hoped that it would be a one-time thing but it's actually sort of continued uh, to come in especially useful during the pandemic like this and I think we'll see him do a lot with them over the days ahead. It, it, it's really good to see the the work on the ground like that. You know, I think often while we do focus on these royal engagements because they're often what make headlines and they're interactive and in the case of it being with kids, it's cute. But hearing about things that they're uh, patrons of or organizations that they work with that are actually doing something on the ground and really uh, making a huge difference like that, uh, you kind of remember how impactful some of these organizations and, and the work really can be. Exactly. And the Queen's uh, address to the public and to the nation mm. and to the Commonwealth uh, was exactly that impact that you speak of. I think uh, we'd spoken about it just in our last episode and it aired just a couple of days later. It was actually recorded uh, just before we recorded our episode and uh, it was the fifth time we heard the Queen uh, do a public address like that and I think it was definitely something that the nation and the Commonwealth, maybe even the world, needed to hear. It was a sort of a no-nonsense, sympathetic speech uh, that contained some really deeply emotional Mm. strains. And I think the way that she had sort of recalled the sort of Dame Vera Lynn quotes, uh, this we'll meet again, evoking that at the end. And I think it was one of the few times we really got to see the Queen speak from the background of her father's and Churchill's war speeches, you know, sort of 80 years of history had sort of led to this moment and to see the impact that it had had across the world as well. I mean, France, a country that really shows very little interest in our royal family at times. I think it was on the cover of Le Mans said it had the headline, Queen Elizabeth II would make me a monarchist, they said. And uh, their other other paper, L'Express, said that it was a model chief of state, a class act. And I couldn't agree more. Yeah, you know, I think uh, our royals producer actually at ABC sent an email around and it summed it up perfectly. And lots of times we talk about the young royals as being the stars of the royal family and the star power that they bring. And she said this speech from the queen and the way the queen has been sort of this stable um, power throughout all of this shows the star power of the queen. This was her chance to remind people, and she has, that she remains the star of the royal family and someone that in times of crisis is that stability and is that foundation that really the whole commonwealth can turn to. And like you said, not even Britain, not even the Commonwealth, but uh, around the world. You know, we had interest from the United States as well. We did lots of broadcasts talking about the fact that the Queen gave this speech and it was played on our airwaves at ABC. Uh, People listened and people really were impacted. Yeah, those words were heard by a third of the world's population Hmm. in total. And so they really were something that it was the tonic, I think, that so many needed to hear. Uh, It's that sort of sense of optimism that Brits are quite famous for. I think it's we're very much a glass half full nation and I think the Queen's uh, speech although it very much uh, uh, took so seriously the situation that we're in now I think it also spoke so much of the hope uh, we all would like to have about the future. While we have faced challenges before this one is different. This time we join with all nations across the globe in a common endeavour using the great advances of science and our instinctive compassion to heal. We will succeed, and that success will belong to every one of us. We should take comfort that while we may have more still to endure, 
better days will return. We will be with our friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again. But for now, I send my thanks and warmest good wishes to you all. Yeah, and it was also so amazing not only to hear her, but to get the chance to see her. You know, we don't, we don't often see her speaking like this. Like you said, this is only the fifth time she's given a, a speech like this, a televised speech during a crisis, doesn't really speak at public events. So that was really interesting. And I think that's also what resonated with people, that that image, that visual. I don't know if you saw that huge billboard that they put up right in Piccadilly Circus here in London, but uh, to see the queen, I don't know, I think it was over 140 feet tall or something in the middle of one of the busiest parts of London. And it was this huge picture of her next to words from her speech. Uh, just another reminder of, you know, the words and visual impact that the queen really has yeah you know that image it really had an effect on me i got goosebumps when i saw it because i'm so you know i think all of us we walk past uh piccadilly circus at least once a week and it's that's usually the area that you kind of want to avoid it's very busy it's very bright there's always a lot going on in times square people in america (laughs) exactly To see it so silent, so still, and then with those words, those strong words from the Queen, it almost felt a little surreal, like I was watching London dressed up for a movie set oh, wow. or something. And uh, but uh, but again, like this is the times that we're in at the moment, and mm-hmm. it's very real. It's kind of the movie you don't want to be living. Absolutely. Well, from that to a love story that we yeah. all want to be part of, <laughs> Charles and Camilla. Uh, celebrated their 15th wedding anniversary this week and this is a good uplifting story it's usually an occasion that we don't rush to mark as royal correspondents but i think this uh, given the fact that they were separate for so long charles of course was in his own isolation after his d- diagnosis for coronavirus and camilla remained in isolation for a week afterwards both at the same burke hall scotland property and so they were finally reunited together just in time for their 15th wedding anniversary and what was sweet about this we actually got to see a photo of it that was shared by Clarence House with the world it was the two of them outside the entrance to Burkhall the same place that they actually shared photos from their 2005 engagement photos albeit this time with the dogs (laughs) of course That is sweet, kind of a, a little light story in the middle of all of this. And, you know, a reminder, too, that was such shocking news when Charles was diagnosed, what was that, three weeks ago now? Again, everything's mm. kind of blending together, so that's a rough three weeks. Uh, but that was such shocking news because, you know, he's in that high-risk age group. He's over 70. Um, yet to see him doing so well now and to see him sort of out of isolation and back with his wife, uh, it, it's a good thing. It's an uplifting story sort of in this, in this time of darkness. Exactly. I had to know more about the dogs because I tell me everything. You know, I'm obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually Camilla's two Jack Russell Terriers, oh. Beth and Bluebell. Camilla's oh. actually patron of the Battersea Dogs Home in London, and she'd rescued both oh, really? uh, the Jack Russells yeah. from there. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> oh, that's. Um, I believe. Happy. And I believe that after the break, you'll have some of Camilla's lockdown reading tips for us I all. Do. I'm quite Very interested to know what's on this <laughs> list. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Maggie, 
I believe you have something there that I would like to hear more about. <laughs> I do. Well, it's fun because we're learning more about Camilla, I think, than we really ever have before. We see her dogs, got dogs' names, and now she released a reading list during lockdown. Now, I don't know. I know you've been very busy, Oma, but I've been trying to read more than normal while we're all locked in our homes. I think a lot of people are. So Camilla came out with her list of royal reads. And what's kind of cool is she, it was published in a local paper in Scotland first. So it wasn't leaked to a big press outlet. It really was sort of this local grassroots, uh, you know, movement that she had for her local reader. Um, she started with a Ernest, Hen- Ernest Hemingway quote, there was no friend as loyal as a book. Now with that, Omid, let's launch into her recommendations. Now I was I'm really ready. excited. You're ready. Well, I was really excited because when I first started reading this list, I thought for sure, I was like, oh, it's a royal list. This is going to make me feel real stupid because I haven't probably read any of these books. <laughs> and I didn't even open up the link for a while. But then I was like, all right, all right, let me read them. And she actually recommended a bunch that I had read before and also ones that are you know, for lack of a better word, kind of fun. Like there's even some adventure books. Okay, so let's get to it. Um, one of her first ones is A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, the famous book. Now I should reread this because I read it. Yeah, I read it probably 20 years ago in school, so <laughs> which dates <laughs> me a bit. Um, but I should, so that's on my list to reread. And that's a good, you know, I think that's a good time right now to reread some of these as well. Um, Restless by William Boyd, which I have not read, but I have heard is great. So that's on my list as well. Um, she has a long list. I'm going to go to the ones that I've also read just to, you know, promote the, the fact that I'm a, a bookworm and can be smart and make me feel good about myself. But also these get my <laughs> recommendation as well so have you read um philip pullman at all he is the author of the golden compass series recently made into a series on bbc and hbo she recommends his book from his second series um the book of dust volume uh, i'm really excited about this because i just got his trilogy from the library so he has a second trilogy this book of dust trilogy um the book of dust is volume two sorry of the trilogy sorry the secret Commonwealth is volume two of the Book of Dust. It's all very confusing. Go look at her list. But anyway, I'm really excited <laughs> because this is an awesome trilogy. So I'm reading this and I'm like, Camilla, girl, you got good Rex. You know, I'm all in now. I'm all in. So now she goes on to one I haven't read yet, The Light Years by Elizabeth Jane Howard. And I'm like, well, maybe I should read uh, that one now because yes. she recommended. Do you know that one? I've heard good things about this one. Yes. All right. It's That's what I'm list. saying. I'm reading this list. I'm like, Camilla, this is a great list. Well, Camilla's always been a huge advocate for reading and she's patron of about four uh, literary organisations. I think the Coram Beanstalk charity, uh, which provides books for kids. She's a patron of Book Trust, the Literary Trust and the Royal Society of Literature. So she is definitely wearing all of those badges proudly and doing them all a great service. I I thought it was really sweet to see a recommendation on there for the book Travels on My Elephant by Mark Shand, who of course... Of course, it's her brother, uh, well-known BBC conservationist as well. So it's sort of a little family shout-out on there too. A family shout-out. So you have to read that one. Uh, also on the list, A Gentleman in Moscow, which I don't know if you've read by more towels, but it's um, amazing. It's also one of my all-time favorite books. So yeah, she has, yeah, like you said, amazing books, some shout-outs to family that I'm also interested in now, um, and some that I, I don't know well, but now that I trust her so much with all of my literary needs, I'm going to her list. So I recommend people check it out. I was blown <laughs> away. I love that. 
Well, this week we, of course, saw the Duke and Duchess of Sussex in the news again, although they've been quietly uh, in LA working on their non-profit. Uh, details of a trademark application that they had filed on March 10th with the US Patent and Trademark Office came to surface. Uh, the Telegraph newspaper managed to get hold of the documents and found out that they had named their non-profit organization Archwell. Now, of course, we know that they've been quietly working on this, and the couple were hoping that the details of this would have stayed secret until they were ready to share some news in the summer. Uh, They did release a statement at the time uh, to a number of outlets, including us, and they said that, like you, our focus is on supporting efforts to tackle the global COVID-19 pandemic. But faced with this information coming to light, we felt compelled to share the story of how this came to be. And the reason I'm sharing this is because it is a really sweet story. They go on to say, before Sussex Royal came the idea of Arch, the Greek word meaning source of action. We connected to this concept for the charitable organisation we hope to build one day and it became the inspiration for our son's name. That's really sweet. I love the whole backstory. It is. I mean, listen, I think this was a story that neither of Harry nor Meghan particularly wanted out there at this moment in time, but I think that um, they were... I think, keen to just get a hold of the narrative before it sort of took on a life of its own. Uh, Alongside the documents, uh, there was an extensive list of categories um, that the Archwell name could be trademarked against. So movies, podcasts, clothing, charitable services, online seminars, lectures, retreats, and so on. Uh, But a spokesman for the couple tells us that don't read into these too much. They are literally just trademarking categories uh, for protection purposes only. We saw the same kind of thing for the Royal Foundation in the past. And so this is them sort of, I guess, protecting their brand and stopping other people perhaps running off and creating a baseball cap with Archwell on. So even if they want to focus more on charities, they want want to make sure that other people don't start launching a merchandise campaign in their name or... Like you said, a baseball cap. <laughs> exactly. Uh, same, it's still the same with them. They're saying that don't expect to hear really much from them until the summer. They're just mm-hmm. quietly working on things. We know that they're looking into ways that they can help with the current pandemic. Harry Sustainable Tourism Initiative, Travelist, uh, that very much focuses on uh, helping Uh, engage consumers in finding uh, clever ways to see the world but to do it in a sustainable way that also helps provide to communities and also protect the world that we live in Uh, they're looking at ways that when we all get back to our old lives which hopefully will happen at some point uh, we'll all be looking to travel again and Travelist really wants to be at the centre of driving an initiative that helps guide people to perhaps thinking where they put their tourism money because of course so many communities are severely impacted by this pandemic some of which rely almost exclusively on uh, revenue from tourism so that'll be a time I think we'll really see sort of Harry jumping into action with this initiative and it'll be interesting to see what Megan has up her sleeves as well. Well, I'm curious as well how much this will sort of change what they're going to do. I mean, obviously, there's plenty of charities that need attention right now. And like we know, both uh, all of the young royals and much of the royal family are also paying attention to the immediate needs that people have during this crisis. But like you just said, with Travelist, you know, there's this opportunity and this chance to sort of 
change what people do going forward. You know, we've never had something like this happen before, really in modern history where everyone just stopped. And when everyone stopped, once they start up again, uh, people are going to be, I think, rethinking sort of how they live their life. And it's a good point you make that uh, it could be an opportunity for people to rethink how they travel to make sure they travel sustainably. Uh, But also I'm curious if this will impact like you said, Megan at all and some of her endeavors, you know, we're not, we know that she's always been passionate about female empowerment and, and young people. So I'm sure she'll, she'll stay doing those types of wonderful work, but you know, how will this crisis change what she's going to work on? Will it change, you know, certain uh, ways she approaches these passions? Will it change how she implements some of her charity work? So I, I'm curious to see how it all plays out in the next year or so. And I think in some ways, you know, it's interesting timing for them since they are launching their huge charity organization right now in the middle of this. Well, that's the thing. At the moment, of course, the focus is very much on the moment. But of mm-hmm. even when we do return to some form of normality, there is a world and a nation in both in the UK and the US that will need a lot of help and guidance in sort of getting back to normal, whether that's businesses getting back, charities getting back on their feet. I had a conversation with someone from the Mayhew organization recently, which is one of the charities that Megan is a patron of. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's charities like that that really rely rely on donations but also Mm. visitors and just that regular traffic that they usually charities usually receive you know it's charity shops across Mm. the UK that raise money for these charities and some of these places are now receiving no money and it's very difficult to keep an organization like that going on so I think we're really going to see not just Harry and Meghan but all members of the royal family rushing to help their patronages to sort of help them get back on their feet because there are so many charities at the moment that are already thinking about the grim reality of perhaps having to shut their doors yeah i'm just so excited to see them back out working again i think well we're all excited to be back out working again but it'll be a it'll be a good sign uh, when we see the royals kind of out there doing their thing and seeing what their that thing's going to be what their passions are going to look like in this new world Absolutely. Well, that's the thing. When they return to work, hopefully so will all the rest of us. (laughs) We had some positive words again from the Queen uh, not long after her last address for Easter Sunday. Uh, She spoke uh, for the first time. She gave a recording that was put out on the royal family Twitter accounts and Instagram pages, uh, sharing a message of hope uh, with the UK and the world, not just for those that believe in God, not just those who are celebrating Easter, but people of all spiritual backgrounds and all backgrounds all together. And I think uh, her words really resonated with so many that listened to that. And I just want to take a little listen. This year... Easter will be different for many of us, but by keeping apart, we keep others safe. But Easter isn't cancelled. Indeed, we need Easter as much as ever. The discovery of the risen Christ on the first Easter day gave his followers new hope and fresh purpose, and we can all take heart from this. We know that coronavirus will not overcome us. As dark as death can be, particularly for those suffering with grief, light and life are greater. May the living flame of the Easter hope be a steady guide as we face the future. I wish everyone of all faiths and denominations a blessed Easter. 
I think what was really nice about this particular message to the nation that she gave was she actually used the word coronavirus. I think so many people are afraid to include that sometimes in the messages that they give. It's uh, it's almost the sort of the word that you want to dance around. And uh, I, I think it was really important to hear talking about, despite the fact that we were all at home, that Easter was very much not cancelled. And it certainly wasn't in my house. And again, neither in theirs. And it's just another example of the Queen really stepping up right now. And um, I think she must know that it's the type of uh, unity and stability that people really want and are craving right now. And so even Mm. doing, because we just heard from her a few days earlier, we never hear from her this much. So, you know, hearing again, we didn't get to see her this time, unfortunately, but even hearing from her again, um, seems fairly rare and, and makes it seem special. Absolutely. And it's a time for family. And I think although, You know, the Queen's message really served two purposes. Not only did she underline the government's public safety message, and she did that also in her public address last week, but she also acknowledged how difficult Easter will be for some families by all of us keeping apart. And it's a time of the year where I'm sure she's always thinking of her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. And to not be able to see any of those is, of course, as difficult for her as it is for the rest of us. That's a good point. And, you know, all of them were dealing with the same things we were. And I actually, I, this is a, a more funny turn, but I remember laughing at a, a quote from William we talked about earlier who was spending Easter, you know, obviously in isolation. And he talked about it a bit and he said, but don't worry, we have enough chocolate here to survive. And I was like, me too, <laughs> me too, friends. I'm feeling good about at least my chocolate store. So it's good to know that, you know, The prince also likes his chocolate. (laughs) Absolutely. I've definitely kept to a healthy intake of chocolate throughout the day. Don't need to worry about that. (laughs) Maggie, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. Happy Easter to you as well. I didn't get to give you an egg this year, but whenever we shall meet again, I promise I have one for you. you.